the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. That word complete is the same Greek word that is used in John 19.30 when from the cross Jesus said it is finished. That the work of God is complete. Now on the cross in John 19.30 when Jesus said to telestai, meaning it is finished, he means the whole redemptive work of God is now accomplished by virtue of his, that is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. In this case, what is finished here, same Greek root word teleo, is the wrath of God. Tetelestai might be the most beautiful word in the history of the world. It's the word Jesus said on the cross when the work of redemption was finished. And it's the word used again in our passage today. When the pouring out of the wrath of God's judgment on the earth is finally complete, in today's message, Pastor Gary is going to walk us through those final moments of God's wrath right up to this magical word. It is finished. How about you? Is your life sealed up in the finished work of Christ? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 15 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Revelation chapter 15 is where we are. So turn in your Bibles there and then... uh... Let's pray and commit our time to the Lord. Father, it's good to be in your house this evening, and those who are watching online, joining us that way, we just together come before you grateful. Lord, we want to be mindful of your many blessings and the ways that you are so good to us, and we just commit our Bible study to you now that you would use this time in your word to strengthen our hearts as we read about these things that are to come, that we would be ready, that we would be prepared that we would be watching. You even tell us, lift up your heads and look up because our redemption draws near. So help us, Lord, not to cast our vision here horizontally. We can get discouraged about things we see on earth, but help us to always cast our gaze upwards to you. We just commit our nation to you. Lord, we pray for an end to this virus. We just ask for your mercy there and that you would just continue to encourage us and help us and guide us. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right, let's visit our timetable, which breaks down the book of Revelation. And as we have been for the last several weeks, the largest section of the book of Revelation is right here between chapter 6 and 18, and it has to do with the seven years of tribulation. So that's, that's where we are in our Bible study here in chapters 15 and maybe even 16 where God predicts, he tells us that there will be a time coming upon the earth that will last for seven years. 
that will be a, a time of awakening for those who are still here, and God will use different natural disasters, cataclysmic events, just unheard of things that will transpire upon the earth. Many people will refuse to believe. Many people will believe, but it is God's final wake-up call to try again to reach as many people as possible. And so that's the period we're in right now that, that we're looking at. We're not in the tribulation period right now, but we're, we're looking at this part in Scripture. God's wrath will be revealed during this tribulation period through a series of three different events. And we've already talked about the seven seals that are broken. That was chapter 6. When a scroll is, is broken, there are seven different wax seals broken and there is a, an announcement of a different judgment with the breaking of each seal. And then there was the blowing of seven trumpets. That was chapter 8. And we're coming up to now here in chapter 16, uh, the final series of God's wrath, which will be poured out through a series of bowls that angels will be pouring out upon the earth. And so that's chapter 16. Now, before we get to chapter 16, chapter 15 is somewhat of a preview of the things that are to come in chapter 16. So uh, I'm going to read it, and then we'll come back and, and unpack chapter 15. It's only eight verses, so follow along as I read. John writing here, by virtue of inspiration of the Holy Spirit and virtue of his own visions that he sees here that God shows him. So verse verse 1 of chapter 15, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints." Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And after these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Okay, so again, this is like a preview to what we're going to see transpire in chapter 16, but this is a heavenly vision that John sees here, because that's back at verse 1, it says, that, then I saw another sign in heaven. So that's where this, these events are transpiring. This is not something happening on earth. He is writing here about what he sees in heaven, and he says it's great and it's marvelous, and he says there in verse 1, seven angels having the seven last plagues. Now, It's interesting, you know, you don't want to make too much of the study of numbers, but 
Numbers often do mean things in Scripture. The number seven is used here, not once, but eight times in chapter 15. And there's only eight verses. And so the number seven is a number in Scripture that often indicates perfection or completion. And we're going to see here that something is coming to completion because when he sees these seven angels and they have the seven last plagues, these are coming to an end. These are the last of the plagues. And he he adds, therefore, in them the wrath of God is complete. The wrath of God is complete. It's interesting, that word complete is the same Greek word that is used in John 19.30 when from the cross Jesus said, it is finished. That the work of God is complete. Now, on the cross in John 19.30, when Jesus said to telestai, meaning it is finished, he means the whole redemptive work of God is now accomplished by virtue of his, that is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. In this case, what is finished here, same Greek root word, teleo, is the wrath of God. God's wrath is going to be now done. And um, it's intense, but he is now bringing it to a completion. And it, it is a good reminder for us at this point that, to just look real quickly at Psalm 85, 5 and 9. I put it on the screens for you. Because God's wrath does come to an end. And the psalmist writes here in Psalm 85, Will you be angry with us forever? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And so there is this Soon completion here of the wrath of God and his mercy is going to prevail here, but in his judgment and in his attempt to arouse a deaf and complacent world and a Christ-forsaking, rejecting world, he is going to pour out one last series of his wrath by virtue of these seven angels with seven plagues. And verse 2, and I saw something like, okay, it's not actually, it's like, a sea of glass. And I mentioned to you before, whenever you see a mention of a sea in the book of Revelation, it almost never means a body of water. It usually means, and it is the case here, the sea of humanity. So he sees, he glances at a vast number of people, and it looked like a sea of glass. But this case, in this case, it's mingled with fire, which is a, an indication of judgment, So he sees uh, the sea of humanity, he sees judgment, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, 666, standing on the sea of glass. So they're among those that he sees there, among the sea of humanity, having harps of God. Some translations say, having harps given to them by God, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like, you you might get your own harp when you get to heaven. That whole idea of angels in heaven playing harps, there is some truth to it. We see it right here. But the those in this verse, in verse 2, who does he actually see here who have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name? These are those who have been martyred during the tribulation period. So he sees the saints who have been killed. They accepted Christ while uh, they were on earth 
earth during the tribulation period, but as a result of receiving Christ during the tribulation, they were martyred for their faith, and now John sees them in heaven, and he sees them playing harps, and he sees that they've had victory over the beast, over his number, over his name, over the mark, and they're singing. So this is a beautiful picture of redemption here. While this horrific shedding of blood happens during the tribulation period, and those who come to faith in Jesus are martyred, they are killed for their faith in Jesus. That's not the final answer. You know, that's not the last chapter. Because always we need to hold on to the fact that though we will die physically, our spirits go to be with the Lord. And these, these tribulation saints who were killed during the tribulation, they've gone to be with the Lord. Their, their bodies were killed, but their spirits went to be with the Lord, and they're going to get a glorified body too. And so John sees them in heaven around the throne of God, this like sea of humanity, and they're playing harps, and they're singing, and they're singing the song, verse verse 3, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So there's this beautiful song here that they're singing that is, you know, co-written between Moses and Jesus. And uh, so they have the copyrights on this song, and it's their intellectual property, and, uh, and they're singing this. Now, it's interesting, in your Old Testaments, there are two places where it is recorded that Moses sang songs, that he had written songs, in Exodus chapter 15 and Deuteronomy chapter 32. So Moses must have been somewhat prolific in songwriting, too, because Exodus 15 records the song of Moses. Deuteronomy 32 records another song of Moses, and here we have yet another one being sung in heaven, and it's kind of a beautiful combination. A lot of Bible scholars, when they, when they see there the, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, you know, say this is, this is a song that blends the law with love. You have Moses who represents the law and the prophets. You have Jesus obviously who represents grace and the love of God. And the two combined here have this song that the saints in heaven are singing. And the song between their verses 3 and 4 are basically about three things. And you can note these words in your Bibles. It's about the works of God. It is about the ways of God. And it is about the worth of God. And that word is is found in terms of the word worship. And I'll show you as we go. So they're singing, great and marvelous are your works. There's the first thing. They're ascribing honor to God because of all the mighty things that he has done, his works. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. I don't know the tune or I would sing it for you. Or I'd get Ben or Micah or somebody else to sing it for you. Just and true are your ways. So they're not only honoring God for his works, they're honoring God for his ways, in the ways that he operated, in the ways that he led and loved and guided and guarded. And so just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. This, this mentions now the worth of God. For all nations, all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. So God is making his judgments known on the earth through the series of the tribulation period. But that's what this song basically is, is honoring. The works of God, the ways of God, and the worth of God. So the saints are singing this. So if you, if you don't like music, you better get used to it because you're going to be singing in heaven and playing harps. And, and so maybe for now, if you feel like, I can't really sing, maybe it'll be translated in heaven and you'll be able to sing well for the first time. We hope so, at least, so that you don't distract the rest of us. But anyway, 
Verse 5, after these things I looked, he still sees more visions, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. So this is a scene here of these seven angelic creatures. They are coming from within the temple. It is a picture of they are being dispatched by God. They are coming out of the place of holiness, and they are about now to um, distribute these different plagues upon the earth as, as God has assigned them. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So these golden bowls are probably the golden incense bowls of the priests. So in the uh, tabernacle of the, in the temple of the Old Testament, one of the articles of the, of the uh, temple were these golden bowls of incense that the priests would carry this aroma, the incense, unto the Lord. And it is believed that those are the similar kind of bowls that are being used here. And it's interesting there in verse 7, it talks about the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Well, back in Revelation chapter 4, we were introduced to these four living creatures. They were very different and unique beings, and they are, again, angelic beings. So they're of somewhat of a different order. There's, there seems to be a hierarchy of angelic beings in the Bible. And these four living creatures were the ones who were around the throne of God. So they have now been entrusted to take these golden bowls and give them to these seven angels and to assign them then this task of pouring out the full wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Verse 8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So it's quite a heavenly scene here with, with sights and sounds. You know, John's senses are being overwhelmed here as he writes all these things and angelic beings and smoke filling the, the temple area, the glory of God and uh, being manifest there in this way. These tribulation saints who are now in heaven, their spirits there with harps and they're singing songs unto the Lord. So it, you know, it's, there's, there's some noise going on. There's, there's some activity happening for sure in heaven. But what is about to happen on earth? is rather intense and and sobering here. So as we move into chapter 16, here we go. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so this is, you know, this is somewhat symbolic. They are pouring out these bowls and it is an indication of God's judgments being poured out upon the earth in seven successive events. And when you look at chapter 16 here, it seems to be that each bowl is being poured out rather rapidly. It is happening rather intensely, successively, pretty quickly, because the effects of bowl number one is still being felt when bowl number five is being poured out, which indicates to us this rapid, successive series here that is that is happening. So there's not any downtime between these bowls. It's happening one after another after another as God pours out these series of judgments upon the earth. So here we go. I'm going to give you the summary of each bowl 
and then we will read it and talk a little bit about it. So here's the summary of bowl number one. Ugly and painful sores break out on all who have the mark of the beast. This is what verse 2 tells us. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. By the way, this is very similar to the sixth plague of Egypt. When you look back at some of the ancient plagues that happened in the book of Exodus when God was working on Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to release the Hebrew slaves, Pharaoh was reluctant, and so God poured out a series of ten different plagues upon the Egyptians. You're going to see here some similarities between those plagues in the book of Exodus and the plagues that are coming upon the earth here in Revelation chapter 16. This is very similar to the sixth plague of Egypt when boils broke out on people, sores broke out on people. Some Bible scholars look at the words here in verse 2, which talks about a foul and loathsome sore and believe that it's an indication of some kind of malignancy, that whatever happens that breaks out upon people, it is restricted to those who have taken the mark of the beast. Remember, we read earlier, you can't buy or sell during this time without receiving the mark of the beast, and his number is 666. So there's some kind of thing that happens on your forehead or on your right hand that allows you to buy and sell, and there's been great debates about you know modern technology and chips and all this kind of stuff, but whatever it is, if it is something like that, those who have taken that mark are identifying their allegiance and loyalty to the beast, the Antichrist, and not to God. And so God is selectively here pouring out this bowl upon those who had taken the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Bowl number two. The second bowl is the sea turns into blood and every living thing in the sea dies. This is verse 3. Then the angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. This is very similar when we were going through the trumpets, the trumpet judgments. This is very similar to the second trumpet. When the second trumpet was sounded, a third of the sea became blood. In this case, though, all of the seas become blood and every living creature in the sea died. Now you have to remember, by the time we get here to the bowl judgments, you have more than half of the world's population gone. They've either died or the church has been raptured. So you have somewhere upwards of 4 billion people have already died. And now those who have remained here are going to feel the effects of what is happening globally and it impacts humanity. Obviously, when the sea turns to blood and you have every living sea creature dying, I mean, that's a great food source for, for the world, dead. I want you to also imagine the stench. Blood itself smells. But now you add on top of that, every sea creature dead, I mean, the foul odor that'll be upon the earth is just unimaginable. But that's, that is the second bowl. Here's the third bowl. The third bowl is rivers and streams become blood, so drinking water is polluted. It's one thing for the seas to become polluted, but now the fresh water is going to get polluted here with bowl number three. Look at verse four. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, 
You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.